You think after 23 years, I'll learn how to work one of these things. How are you guys? Wow, I know what you guys are thinking. He's much more attractive in person. It's okay. I'm used to it. Oh, hey, Aaron, Shay. Ooh, we got a little crew here. How are you guys? Sorry, I is some of my good, good, good friends. How long have you guys been married now? Two years? I got to do their wedding. And uh, so good to have you guys here. Come on. Wow, what an honor to be here. I hope you guys are doing okay. Yeah? It's, it's weird when like a new person comes in to church, right? Like it's, it is. Like, it's a little weird. Because you're like, I don't know, do we trust him? You know? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, he's wearing skinny jeans, you know? <laughs> right? I don't know why. These ones just feel a little skinnier than normal for some odd reason. I put them on, I was like, they're tight. <laughs> Apologize. How are you doing? What's your name? Ashley? You're amazing. You have a great voice. Um, yeah, so uh, don't worry, I've been doing this a little while. You're like, I don't know, what's going to happen? 23 years I've been in full-time ministry. Um, I know some of you are starting to do some math. You know, you're like, I'm 41, if that helps. And uh, I'm married. Sorry, ladies. Gosh, this is going bad. I got to stop. Okay. I'm from Massachusetts originally, so if that helps. Uh, any Massachusetts people in here? Let's go. Where? Cow Hampshire. Let's go. Yeah, I'm from Gloucester. Little island north of Boston. Yeah? What? Beverly. Stop. Cape Cod. You guys are weirdos out there. I don't know what you're doing on that little weird part of... Yeah, I know Sandwich Mass. Sandwich. Wow. Uh... Beverly, who said Beverly? Uh, wow. So I got saved in Hamilton, Massachusetts, right next to Beverly. Yeah. What are you doing out here? You do? Come on. I, I don't have my, I lost my accent. So, but born and raised. Um, yeah. Wow. You were. Gardner, Mass. Come on. I've never been there. I stay away from that place. <laughs> Massachusetts is weird. It's just a weird state. But good people. Um, yeah. So, born in Massachusetts. And uh, grew, up, grew up in a Christian household. My mom got saved when I was really young. And I remember when she got saved 
because like all the fun stuff that we used to do stopped, you know? And uh, <laughs> all the fun stuff. Uh, man, Halloween, that was so much fun. And couldn't do that anymore. When my, my parents are both artists. I'm just getting to know you for a second, okay? My parents are both artists. And uh, man, when, when an artist gets the Holy Ghost, it's weird. It's just a weird thing. Because, man, spirit-filled believers are just strange on their own. But you take someone that can, like, do artistic things and is like a free thinker. And uh, you give them the Holy Ghost. And you never know what's going to happen. So... Uh, so, man, I grew up, I grew up going to a, like a glow meeting. See, any, anybody know what a glow is? Oh, I was like the only male. We used to actually take uh, boat trips along uh, the coast down to uh, Cape Cod. And I was like the only male on this boat full of like women with beehive hairdos. And there was one trip because I was, I was a little kid, and I would get hauled around. There was this one trip where they were like, he's a, he's a male, bring him in. And I must have been 10. I probably need some sort of healing from this. And, and they like put a sword in my hand and they like danced around me. And it was supposed to be prophetic or something like that. I don't know what it was. And I just remember a bunch of middle-aged ladies crying and pointing at me and on a boat. I wasn't feeling the best anyway, because I get seasick. Man, spirit-filled believers are weird. We're, we're a funny bunch, you know? But my mom, she got saved. Everything changed. And... Uh, and I remember at a young age, I was probably nine, the first encounter I had with the Holy Spirit. And fast forward three, four years, I, I, I found this wonderful thing called uh, illegal drugs. And I went full into it. And so 12, 12 to 17, was just a downward spiral, uh, witchcraft and darkness. And I was suicidal, depressed, hated my life, hated the church, hated the church, every little bit of it. My parents were kind of closet charismatics, I like to say. They were, because there weren't a lot of churches. You, anybody from Massachusetts knows that. There's not a lot of churches that really move in the things, New Hampshire as well. There wasn't a lot of churches that moved in the things of the spirit. So we attended a church that was kind of stand up, sit down, organ player and hymns. We would do scripture songs. That was like the, the most fiery they got. And then there was like meetings, you know, should we have a guitar playing? You know, are we letting the enemy in? And then at 17 years old, I, uh, 
I had, I was a goth kid. We, I don't know if you had those out here, but black hair, black nails, spikes around my neck. Um, severely depressed on antidepressants. And for my 40th birthday, my mom gave me my medical file that she kept on me from the time I was a little kid. It's about four inches, actually two big manila folders, all the diagnoses. And I had everything going against me. Severe ADHD. You're like, we can tell. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Severe ADD, dyslexic. And then at 17, in the peak of failing school, state-issued psychiatrist, um, I was a kleptomaniac on top of it. I got the state-issued psychiatrist after I stole a bunch of sleeping pills and a couple of cartons of cigarettes from Costco. I just didn't do it small. I did bulk, you know. <laughs> and uh, I got the state-issued psychiatrist from that little fun trip to Costco with my mom. At 17, uh, it was my senior year of high school. I drove out uh, to uh, Danvers. Danvers, Mass. And I would buy my drugs for the week there. And I was selling as well. And as, we're driving, as I was driving back home, I drove past the church that I originally had my encounter with at nine years old, the Holy Spirit. And I drove, I drove past, and uh, I was into photography at the time. And, and, and I was like, man, I could get some pretty crazy pictures for this project I had of like the crazy charismatic people doing their thing. And so I went in to go check it out. And man, I was in there about five minutes before I wanted out. But this church was smart. They weren't a big church, maybe 40, 60 people. They met in the basement of the town hall in Hamilton, Massachusetts. And I go down and there was like one way in, one way out, you know? I mean, there was two ways, but you had to like break a window and climb out a little ladder to, to <laughs> so. And they put some big, big dudes at the door. Kind of like, you guys got some big dudes. Look at this guy over here. He's got a stick and everything. <laughs> so kind of like that, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, to get out of here, I gotta go past that guy. And I didn't want to go past that guy because I knew he was gonna be like, hey brother. You know the Lord? And I didn't want to play that game. So I sat there and worshipped, and everybody stood up. I stood up. Everybody's singing. I mouth words. Like, I'm just like, you know? Because I didn't want to look out of place. And I knew that if, if I did, you know, Christians, they won't minister outside the four walls. But if you come into their territory, you know, they're, they're going to get you. You know, everybody's bold inside the four walls of the church. And, uh, and so I didn't want to play that game. And I'd been around church long enough, and I knew how to fake it. So, so after the worst worship I've ever heard, it was awful. I sit down, and I go to make my run for it because the, the door guy was also the usher. And I knew they were going to ask for money. So as, as I'm getting ready to make my run for it, the door swings 
open in the church. And the speaker walked in. There was an itinerary. His name was Bob. He was from Galilee, Rhode Island. And uh, he was in his 60s. And I sat back in my chair immediately because Bob had the biggest nose I had ever seen on a human man. <laughs> it was massive. 10 out of 10. You know, boom, there it is. Just a shark fin on the poor man's face. Everybody loves a testimony. But I'm going to give you the details, right? You know, it, was, it wasn't an angel. It wasn't the presence. Boom, nose. What the heck? I need to see what comes out of a man with that thing on his face, you know? Because if he's been walking around with that, he's got some stories, you know? And everybody thinks that I'm exaggerating, but all the, you know, these guys that are with me, they know, they've seen it, and they're like, yep, no, if anything, you're, you're under, underselling the story. So I sit down and Bob's preaching and uh, it was awful. He wasn't a preacher, but he was there. Bob, um, man, I, I don't, I don't want to go into it too long, but Bob, Bob gave his life to the Lord about six, seven, eight years prior. He was a, he was a drunk, rough, tough fisherman. And, uh, Man, through a series of events, he became the head deacon at like this Lutheran or Episcopal church. And the fire of God fell in Toronto in 1994. And as he was listening to the radio now as the head deacon of this church, he's like, the, the, the guy comes on the radio and he goes, man, the power of God's moving in Toronto. Don't let it get your church. It's full of demons. And Bob's like, that's not going to get my church. I'm going to shut that down. And so he just drives up to Toronto to shut it down. And trust me, he could have. He was a rough, tough sea captain. And he shows up in Toronto. And the power of God falls on him. And he gets thrust into full-time ministry six months later. And he starts his ministry by going through the phone book and cold calling churches. God's called me to minister. So six years later, I end up in the basement of this church with Bob, and he couldn't preach, but man, he would, he would ask the Holy Spirit to come, and you just feel God walk into the room. And I didn't know that there was a story unfolding. In the same church, I had my first encounter with the Holy Spirit at nine. God, all those years later, eight years later, was going to call me again. And so uh, he says this, he says, Jesus loves you, and the craziest thing happened. As he, as he says it, the fire of God falls on me. Romans 5.5. 5. Let, me, let, me, uh, let me just flip to this really quick. You guys okay? You sure? Romans 5, 5. Hope does not disappoint us because God 
has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. I love this verse because a lot of people think that an encounter with the Lord is in our heads. A lot, of, a lot of people think that the Holy Spirit is something that we have to understand and comprehend. And we do. I, we, we can study him. We can read about him. We can receive so much truth by the Holy Spirit. But what I love about Romans 5, 5, it says it bypasses this and goes right to here. And so at 17, the darkest one in the room, and I was pursuing witchcraft, the satanic, the demonic. The Holy Spirit didn't care. He just says, that's mine. And without my permission, without, without my permission, see, there's two ways that God moves. I mean, he moves a lot of ways, but two major ways that I see. John 7, 37 says this, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out with a loud voice, All who are thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow from within you. And by that, he meant the Holy Spirit. There's a place in our lives of hunger and thirst. Bartimaeus drops his cloak. The woman with the issue of blood runs at Jesus. Zacchaeus climbs up a tree. I have to see this man. And then there's another way that he moves, and that's his grace. And so it doesn't matter whether you're hungry or not. He'll do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. I love that about him. I love that about him. But he does cry out to the church. He does cry out to his people. How hungry are you? And if you're hungry, you can have it. And it's not just a drink. It's not just a drop. It's not just a, a filling. It's a river. It's a stream of living water. Rivers of living water. It doesn't stop. It doesn't end. And so Bob's preaching, he says, he loves you. And, and as he said it, love filled my heart. And very quickly, it overwhelmed my mind. That's the beautiful thing about God is he knows exactly what you need. A lot of times, you know, in 23 years of ministry, I've, I'm used to altars getting full and people coming to me and and I get it, I, I love that. But he knows so much better than any itinerant, any leader. He knows exactly what you need. And so often we can set ourselves up or attempt to set ourselves up for, for an encounter and feel like we need to prepare all this stuff. And oh, and I love that. 
But he'll do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. He'll just do it. And so he fills my heart with love. And instantly, 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 he became real. There wasn't a level of darkness. There wasn't a level of wickedness. There wasn't uh, anything, anything that could have kept me from falling in love with him. See, I grew up around the church. I had people tell me Jesus loved me. In fact, all the time, I'd heard, I'd heard the words that Bob said since I was a little boy, since my mom got saved. I heard it from really beautiful people. But when he said it, it was backed up with power. And then he says this, not only does he love you, but he wants to use you. And I had never heard that. This all took place within just a few seconds. Not only does he love you, but he wants to use you. And then he said this, not only does he want to use you, but he's going to do it tonight. And in those few short moments, God became real. I encountered his love. I got full of his spirit, and I found myself running forward. Why? Because there's nothing better. There's nothing else. See, see, Paul says this, do not neglect your first love. Do you remember when he first touched you? Do you remember what you said to him? Those moments when he washed you clean. Do you remember the promises you made him? I'm not saying this in a guilty way, like, oh, I, I haven't fallen through. No, get, get over yourself. But do you remember? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and put a new and right spirit within me. Do you remember? Condemnation and conviction are very similar. They come in a very similar way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I find when people feel condemnation, I would ask them, are you, are you in him? But conviction, there's these moments when the Lord just convicts us of something. Not to go, you've missed it. No, 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 no. But to go, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember when nothing was impossible? Not because you were surrounded by a bunch of people saying, nothing's impossible, and you're like, yeah, yeah, rah, rah. You're encouraging yourself, but do you actually remember when he touched you and set you free? And literally nothing was impossible in that moment. You felt like, you felt like you could speak to a mountain and it would just uproot, flip upside down. And so I gave myself to, to the Lord. I, I ran forward and the Holy Spirit fell on me. I, this isn't my message tonight, so I'm going to just finish this up quick. But I thought I'd just introduce myself.
I'm on, I'm up front just weeping and Bob comes up and he lays his big old banana hands on my face and thump, I go out, I fall out, thump under the power of the Holy Spirit and just set free suicide, depression, addiction, just gone. Usually I have to ask churches to get excited. Man, you guys are there. You're with me. Man. Look at that. I love it. But more than just an applause, which I love. What's inside of you tonight? So I ran forward and Bob lays his hands on me, thump, I go out on the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just getting set free. I'm rolling around crying. And I don't know, it must have been 15, 20 minutes later, I feel this pain in my ribcage. Bang, 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 right here in my ribcage. Normally I'm a lot louder, but man, you're just incredible. I'm like, let's go someplace. My, ra my radio voice is coming out, you know? Hello. Welcome to Oceanside. feel this pain in my rib cage and I open up my eyes and I look, I look at my rib cage and there's Bob standing over me and he's got his black orthopedic Velcro sneaker <laughs> sticking in my ribs. He, he kicked me. It was more of a nudge, but the whole thing was confusing, just to be honest. And he looks down at me and he says something that changed me forever. He said, hey boy. And I looked up, I'm like, hey. So what are you doing on the ground? And that was the stupidest question I had ever heard. What do you mean, what am I doing on the ground? What are you talking about? I have no idea. Like, I came in here to make fun of people. And now I'm hearing things, I'm hearing voices and... And he says something to me, changed me forever. He said, get up, it's time to go to work. And I learned something that takes most Christians years to figure out, that he was touching me for a purpose. And this is the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. This is the beautiful thing about Jesus. This is the beautiful thing about revival. This is a beautiful thing is that he is not touching you just so you can live vicariously from encounter to encounter. I think in a place like this with incredible leaders like you have, he's pouring out this precious oil so that you can do something with it. Amen. Six months later, I moved to Paraguay. I know. I failed Spanish one three times in high school. 
and it's been 23 years I've been running around the planet preaching this glorious gospel. But tonight, tonight I have a word for you guys. But I want to lay a couple rules, and I'm going to do this fast. I really want to honor the time. But I have a couple of ground rules. Number one, get Pentecostal. You guys are kind of already there, okay? So we don't have to worry about that. Number two. Number two. I am ridiculously ADHD. 10 out of 10. And before you try to lay your hands on me or cast something out, I like it. Okay? So get out of here. Listen, if I feel like I need to go up for prayer for it someday, I will. And I have. I just usually get distracted along the way. I'm like, is that a fake ficus plant? And then I go and just kind of feel the leaves. And then I'm like, ooh, look at this carpet pattern, you know? Then I'm off someplace else. <laughs> oh, man. So in that, in that, I want to go wherever I feel the Holy Spirit going. But I just want to set one other ground rule. I'm not the best preacher in the world. You're like, yep, I can tell. <laughs> I never claimed to be. I didn't start in ministry to become a preacher. I didn't. I started because the Holy Spirit set me free. And if he could do it for me, then he could do it for anyone. He could literally do it for anyone, at any time, at any place. I was the darkest one in the room. And those moments when the Holy Spirit comes, just like he, he did with me, I never want to miss those moments. And so I just want to make a deal. If the Holy Spirit falls on you as I'm sharing, and, and not, like maybe in a church like this, I could say this and half you might stand up. But if the Holy Spirit falls on you in a way that maybe hasn't fallen before or something's happening that's different, I want to ask you not to stay in your seat. Jesus said this, I can only do what I see the Father doing. This is an encounter night, yeah? Are, we, are you guys with me? This is just an encounter night. And so if the Holy Spirit falls on you, while I'm sharing at any time, and my ADD can handle it, I can give you a word, be preaching a message, and thinking about what I'm going to eat later, all at the same time. I can just do it all at once. So you won't disturb me. But I want to bless whatever the Lord's doing on you. And it'll look just like this. Just still and just stand up for me. It'll just look like this. Just stand to your feet if the Holy Spirit touches you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And you can sit down. It might take me a minute to get to you, but I, I want to pray for you. I want to bless what God's doing. Deal? Yeah. And I'm going to jump in the word. Yeah? Uh, Dylan is here with me. Andrew is here with me. Shay is here with me. And Aaron is here with me. All these guys have run around the globe with me. So, and they are incredibly anointed. I, I could sit here and go through the, the list, but I'm telling you, there's some of the best in the globe. Andrew, man, Andrew has plant as one of our leaders in all of Brazil. 
Uh, this man has seen more miracles, signs and wonders than I probably have. And he lives in the poorest of the poor, serves God with his family in Brazil, laid his life down for a nation, planted churches, sent out missionaries all over the globe, give their life away. These guys are amazing. And I just, if I pull them up, I just want you to know. I have a word for you tonight. Sound good? And I'm going to try to get through it as fast as I can. But I dare you, I dare you to pray dangerous prayers tonight. I, and I beg you, please don't go into just like normal Saturday night. I'll tell you why. I actually, f and I rarely say this, I feel like I'm supposed to be, I feel like we're supposed to be here this weekend. And I don't know why, not because I have something bigger or better, but very rarely uh, do I take an invitation without relationship. And when Pastor Alex called me and shared with me, I said, I, I just have to get down there. And I've been through a season the last eight months with my wife recovering from cancer. And I told my assistant, I said, as soon as, as, soon as we're out of this season, I want to get down there. And, and everything just aligned to be here. And I don't know about you, but I'm really excited. And so I want to dare you. I want to dare you to believe for something new tonight. And I want to ask that you maybe just set aside your normal ministry kind of zone that you go into. And I want you to begin to ask him for more. Can you do that? Let me just start off with this. Father, I just ask for more. Holy Spirit, I say come, do whatever you want to do. Father, we give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, all the power. Be unto your name, King Jesus, and Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, walk in this place tonight. Walk in this place tonight, God. Lord, Lord, I ask that you would come and shake us, break us, mold us. And Lord, I ask that you would call us deeper into your presence, Lord, call us deeper into your heart. And Holy Spirit, I just say you can do whatever you want. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 I want to paint a little bit of a picture. Because I feel like the Lord brought me here to share of how special of a time that you are in, this church is in, and how special of a place this is. Not just this church, but even just this season. And to get there, one of the things that I get to do is travel the globe. And we, we are a missions organization. We have Man, almost 80 locations in 37 nations. And one of the things that we get to do is go to the poor, the sick, the needy, and the broken, the, the lost, the least, and give our lives away as a living sacrifice. So many of our team lives in very, very dangerous places. Many of our team, uh, on a daily basis, faces death. In fact, we're right now in our main base in Pemba, Mozambique. It's our biggest base where 
the, the founder of our ministry is Dr. Heidi Baker and Roland Baker. They're in, they've been in war for five years. And they, they lay their lives down. But having a missions mindset and maybe a missions viewpoint, you are incredible. Can I invite you up in just a little bit? It is not you. It is 100% me. I'm just getting lost in the waves. <laughs> but you are stinking incredible. And I'm going to call you up in just a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah. Or you can stay. You would? Is it that bad? Okay. It's not? Okay. Deal. You're amazing. But I wanted to give you guys a little bit of perspective on what God is doing. Because sometimes we can get so focused on Florida or our city. And we miss what's, what's actually going on. Sometimes we can get so insular that we forget globally what the Lord is doing. And I want to encourage you that we are living in a season that the world has never witnessed before. We can get caught up even in a nation and get so focused on what is taking place in a nation that we forget that he is the God of every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And there is something taking place in the world right now that is boggling the minds of every missiologist, every, every person that has studied missions as, as Jesus is advancing at such a breakneck pace. And, and it is because of the gospel going out of many, many nations. And I would say South America, Latin America has been one of the biggest pushes of this in the last few years. In fact, I believe that Brazil will actually become the largest mission sending nation probably in the next five years. The revivals that have taken place in South America and South, and even in Africa, there's been a reverse where before it was what God was doing in America getting exported. Now it's what God is doing, what God is doing in the nations being imported. And, I, and one of the things that I love about this house is that your leadership is some of those. You have no idea. You have no idea how, how blessed you are, how, how insanely blessed you are. There is a perspective that we have to catch globally. And for the first time in the history of the church, we're able to actually see this. We're able to actually capture this moment. Can I give you a few nerdy statistics, which I don't like statistics, but these ones excite me. Can I? For the first time in history, for the first time in human history, there isn't a named nation that does not have sold out Christians in it. For the first time in the history of the globe, there isn't a single named nation without sold out Christians. I'm not talking nominal. I'm not talking like lukewarm. I'm talking sold out believers laying their life down. This is the first time in the history of the globe from the year 2000 to the year 2022, more Muslims have come to know the Lord in the last 22 years, check this out, than the previous 1,400 years. In the last, I need you to hear this. I need you to hear this. In the last 22 years, 
more Muslims have come to Jesus than in the previous 1,400 years combined. We are living in a season of an advancing of the gospel unlike ever before. Unlike ever before. It is happening. Do not believe what you hear. Do not believe these negative reports. People on the ground laying their lives down are seeing a tidal wave, a tidal wave of his glory, his fire, and his blood washing nations free. Washing nations free. I want to just share two quick terms, unengaged and unreached. Most believers have heard the term unreached people groups. Unreached people group is a nation that has 2% or less believers in the nation. They're classified as an unreached people group. I don't know if you knew that. Maybe some of you did. It's classically an unreached nation. Unengaged is a term that we use in the missions world of no in the tribe or the tongue and the language, all of the languages globally. An unengaged people group is a group that, that has never had a believer in it, never had any of the Bible in it, never had a Christian in it, never had a worship song in it. They're totally unengaged. And about 20 years ago, there was around 3,000 200, don't quote me on that number, but right around there, about 3,220 years ago. And when this number, because of technology, came in front of so many incredible leaders in the church globally, they came together. The leaders of some major organizations and small organizations came together, and they said, this will not stand on our watch. We're going to dedicate the, the, the end of our ministries, the last 20 years of our ministries and more until he comes to see that number go to zero. And so they came together and, and man, since then, 20 years ago, there's now only 144 unengaged people groups. Why is this important? This is important because in the next three to five years, In the next three to five years, there will be a month, there will be a week, there'll be a day, there'll be a, an hour and a minute when there, when there are zero unengaged people groups on the globe. In the next three to five years, I need you to catch me on this. And I'm not getting weird, I'm not like, don't go weird. Don't like go stocking up on your beans and rice, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Come on, stay with me. Christians get weird, okay? Like, I'm going to keep my beans, you know? I'm going to put them in buckets. I'm going to start a farm, you know? Like, you ain't going to start a farm. Like, you don't even like chickens, you know? What are you talking about, you know? We get weird, you know? We get a little squirrely around this stuff. Like, take a deep breath, okay? Like, you don't even eat beans, you know? Like, what are you doing? You know, like, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is something in the next two to five years, three to five years, is about to shake the globe. And the beginning, the beginning, a taste of the Great Commission will have begun. The thing that Christ himself prophesied is actually about to happen, the beginning, the first fruits, a snippet of it, is, is about to take place in each and every one of your lifetimes. And the earth has been waiting for this. 
And you're here. You're here in a time that the earth has been groaning for. And you might not have even known it. In fact, most believers don't know it. Why? Because we're so looking at just the thing that's in front of us. I believe that God is actually calling you to raise your head. Raise your eyes. This isn't a missions thing. I'm not telling you you have to move to Africa. No. If you hear that, you're not hearing me. What I'm saying is lift your head up. Look around. It is easy to buy into the lie that the gospel is not going out. It is easy to buy into the lie that everything is falling apart. It is easy to listen to the headlines of chaos and commotion, yet in the middle of all of it, Jesus has been advancing at a breakneck pace. I need you to hear something. I bless you, I bless you. Wow, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. He is moving at a breakneck pace globally. And for the first time in human history, for the first time in human history, completely unreached people groups are hearing the gospel. And they're not just hearing the gospel in another language. They're hearing it in their mother tongue, the tongues that their mom spoke to them in, the, the heart language. Do you know where the fastest growing church in the globe is right now? Do you know? Come on. Fastest growing church in the globe. Anybody have an idea? Come on, we'll just, come on, it's Saturday night. What? Iraq? No. China? No. Come on. Brazil? Close. Those guys are fiery. Hay brasileiros aquí? No? No? Okay. Yeah? Are you? No? Maybe? Okay. You're Brazilian? Wow. Let's go. Fastest growing church in the globe. Come on. Iran. Who said it? Iran. The fastest growing church right now in the world is in Iran. 20 years ago, every missiologist in the globe, everyone that has studied this would say it is an impossibility. It is an impossibility. It is unreachable in our lifetime is what they would say. You know the second fastest growing church in the world? Afghanistan. And I need you to hear my heart for all my military brothers in this place and sisters in this place. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But it's the second fastest growing church on the globe right now. And I believe what many of you paid a price for was seeds to see this revival come forth. In both Iran and Afghanistan, it is confusing everybody. Why? Why? Because it's impossible. But God, and all throughout this, we are hearing stories. I don't know about you, but I get excited about this. We are hearing stories of the man in white appearing. In fact, I just had a conversation with one of our leaders that, that, that is from Iran, fled because of persecution. His whole family turned against him. And he sat, he sat with me in our office and just told me story after story, even his own sister who was persecuting him. Jesus came, walked into her room, and appeared. The Lord is moving in a way that we have never seen before. We've never seen this before to the scale. Another thing is, 
it's totally decentralized. There is no one that is controlling the church movement in, in, in Iran. It's just, it's being birthed on its own. No one, no label, no ego, and no logo can lay claim to this move. Come on, this is revival unlike the globe has ever, ever seen before. And it's taking place in your lifetime. It's taking place in your lifetime. And not only that, it's taking place amongst a generation that most of the church is fighting against right now, that most of the church doesn't even understand, that most of the church says is totally a lost generation, confused. You walk up to any Gen Z that believes, that has like a stirring of faith, and you ask them, would you consider missions as a full-time role? 50% would say yes. It, we've never seen numbers like this in the generation that most of the church is calling lost. They are one of the most on-fire generations that the planet has ever seen. Could it be? Could it be? Come on. Ooh, I love this. I'm gonna, I just wanna like tickle one of you. Come on. Like, could it be? Could it be that as Jesus is moving at a breakneck pace, we have become so insular We've become so insular that we're missing the thing that we have been on our knees crying out for. That we're, that we're missing the thing. That, that, that instead of seeing him, the God of impossibilities, we're focusing more on our circumstance and on our situation. Sweet girl, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I want you to just lift your hands. Father, I thank you, I thank you for this one. And I break every lie that says you're unusable in the name of Jesus. I felt like you've been through the last two years have been a rocket ship over you, girl. And I feel like the Father is just saying, well done, well done. And as a sign that what I'm saying is true, I feel like you've just applied almost for training uh, to, go, to go and give your life uh, to serve him. And, and I saw the Father just pouring out thousands. And I felt like, watch, I, I, I almost see you signing up online and being like, God, I don't have the money, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I felt like the Lord, I felt like the Lord is about to pour out thousands over you in Jesus mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Father, I ask God, I ask that you would take this one. Sweetie, I felt like you have this nurse's heart on your life. You tend to the wounds of others. And I saw the Lord giving you a tribe of like-minded and like-hearted. And I saw you just pulling out those who are lost in identity and I saw you putting your hands over the ones who cut themselves. And I felt like the Lord, the Lord is about to move on you in a way that you've never experienced. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I say, come. Come, Lord, break her heart. Double it now. Fire on her, God. Break her heart, Lord, for the things that break your heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sweetie, I want you to stand right back up. I saw the Lord giving you a voice, and I felt like you've been hiding in the background. But I saw what you were doing in the private, and the Lord giving you favor in front of the lens. And I felt like as you put the videos out, he's going to mark a generation. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just ask for favor unlike ever before. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We are living in a time that the world has never seen. We, we've never seen this. And God has put you here 
for such a time as this? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Come on, this is a good question. This isn't, the, I said it before, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This isn't a condemnation thing. This is a, oh my God, don't miss it thing. So often we cry out for God to move and we look for it to happen in the way that he's done it historically. But the Bible says he is new every morning. He's new every morning. I love revivals. I've been a part of more than one. They've marked my life. But I don't want to redig an old well. I don't want to redig an old well. Lord, what are you doing that's new? What are you doing that's new? I don't want to just look back at past moves and go, man, it was so good. Man, do you remember when? Man, comparison will kill a move of God faster than anything else, faster than witchcraft. The enemy cannot stop a move of God, and I've seen it in, in Iran. I've seen it in Mozambique. I've seen it amongst unreached people groups. The enemy does not have the ability to hold back a move of God. He doesn't, he doesn't have the ability. He can't do it. He's never been successful. He's never been successful at holding back a move of God. Come on. But as the church, we can be crying out. And then when he brings it, we can call that thing the enemy. And guys, this isn't a crazy thing. This isn't a, this isn't a crazy thing. Our eyes can be so fixed on our calling that we can miss when he moves. Our eyes can be so fixed on my calling, my anointing, my generation, whatever it is, that we can miss him when he comes. And Jesus doesn't play fair. He never has and he never will. He is Jehovah Sneaky. Come on. He is. Jesus turns to his disciples and he sees this crowd of people hungry. Why? Because they left everything to follow him. They left everything to follow him. They didn't have food. They didn't have supplies. They saw the king and they were like, I have to be with him. Let's go. And Jesus is walking and these crowds would come and they would gather and they were hungry. And Jesus sees this crowd. And what I love about our Lord and Savior is that he cares about individuals. He cares about the food. He is the provider. It is who he is. He's not just like, oh, give your lives away. You're not doing it. No, he's like, your stomachs are important too. I gave you those too. And he turns to one of his disciples and he goes, hey, how are you going to feed these guys? And the Bible says he asked this only to test them for he already had in mind what he was going to do. I'm sorry, I didn't prepare this. I don't have it flipped and ready. I'm just, oh, I just got to share from my heart for a minute. He asked them this question, for, but he already had in mind what he was going to do. And he turns to his disciple. And, and here's the crazy thing. What was the question? Where can we buy enough? Where can we find the money? Where can we buy enough for each one? No, gosh, help, help me, Lord. How are we going to feed these people? And 
And the, the, the disciple turns to him and says, Lord, eight months wages wouldn't buy enough for each one to have a bite. And it was an accurate response. Jesus asked a question about finance and he gets a financial answer. It's not fair. It's not fair. The dude gave him the right answer. He's like, yeah, we need a lot of money. And even if we have a lot, it's not going to go that far. He asked this of his disciples to see what's going on inside of them. He asked this of believers to go, where's your head at? Where's your heart at? Are you just looking at numbers? Are you just looking at systems? Does it have to make sense? The Bible says another one stands up. He jumps up. He's eavesdropping. Jesus didn't even ask him. And he goes, Lord, here's a boy. He didn't scratch his neck. I was just had an itchy neck. Like, don't worry. Here's a boy. Five small loaves, two small fishes. And here's, here's the word of faith. But how far will they go among so many? The dude takes somebody else's lunch. It's not even his. And then he's like, yeah, but I don't, know that, I don't think it's going to go that far. And she's like, ah, that's what I was looking for. You get it. So often we look at our faith and our usefulness in the middle of this, and we think that we have to be polished. We think that we have to have all the answers. But Jesus isn't looking for a polished church. He's looking for one that can believe for something different. He's looking for a church that goes, I don't know what's gonna happen. But here I, here's, here's what I think, Jesus. We can become too professional. And listen, I run a multi-million dollar ministry. I love professionalism. If I went to my CFO and was like, hey, what are we going to do? And he's like, listen, we don't have the money, you know. That's what I want from him. We need organization. We need this, but... But Jesus comes to us and he goes, what's inside of you? Do you still have the ability to see the impossible? Even if you don't have all the right answers. Even if your faith isn't like 10 out of 10. But how far will they go among so many? Like he had enough faith just to throw it out there. And Jesus goes, that's what I'm looking for. That's what he had in mind. He didn't have the polished. He had the radical. He had someone that could see with different eyes. Come on. And Jesus takes the loaves and fishes and breaks them. Gives thanks. Jesus speaks to his disciples. And he says, go ahead of me. Prepare a place for me to come. The disciples get in a boat. They're super excited. We're called by Jesus. We're called to go 
and serve. And he's like, I'm going to stay here, but I'll join up with you later. I'll come later. And they don't know that he's going to come walking in the middle of the night on the water. Why? Because why would he do that? He's never done that before. The Bible says the winds become contrary. It's the middle of the night. You all know the story. And Jesus comes walking on the water in the middle of a storm. The disciples are commissioned to go and prepare a way for Jesus. They're going to the other side to preach and teach. It is their time. It is their calling. And they are pumped. Why? Because he's selected us. And he's trusting us to go ahead of him. Giddy up. The Bible says he comes in the middle of the night. It's dark out. And he doesn't come in a way that he's ever come before. He comes walking on the water. Come on. Right? And the disciples look at Jesus. And they call him the enemy. It's a ghost. They call him the opposite of what he is. Why? Because he's coming in a form that they don't like. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Can I get the keys back up here? Because if not, I'm going to go for way too long. Please. You're amazing. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. They call him the enemy. They call Jesus the opposite of what he is. Why? Because he's coming in a form they don't like. They were more focused on their calling than they were a visitation with a king. Now, here's the deal. Did Jesus give him that calling? Yep. Did Jesus tell him to go ahead of him? 100%. Were they obedient? Yep. But Jesus wanted to do something different. There's another telling of the story. The Bible says, after he walks, he gets on the boat, and the boat immediately reaches the other side. They didn't even go ahead of him. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Brother, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Come, come, Holy Spirit. He didn't even go ahead of him. He didn't even go ahead of him. He was there. We can't just be focused on our boats. We can't just be focused on the fact that we're chosen. So Peter, this, this is faith. Do you want to know what faith looks like? Do you want to know what like faith looks like? Man, faith, I've listened to more teaching on faith, and I love it, and it encourages me. But faith is complex. It's more complex than what I ever thought it was. See, because the multiplication of loaves and fishes, here's a boy, didn't, wasn't his food. How far will they go in so, among so many? He had faith. The friends lowered, lowered their friend through the ceiling. Jesus says, be healed. The faith of your friends heals you. It wasn't even his faith. It wasn't the sick man's faith. 
Go back home. When you get there, your child will be healed. It wasn't the faith of the child. It was the faith of the mom and the dad. Sometimes it's the faith of God. Sometimes it's the faith in God. Sometimes it's the gift of faith. But I like, I like Peter's faith, to be honest. I get that man. We both had foot and mouth disease. You know? She got this boat. It's in the middle of the night. And Jesus is coming in a way that they don't like. And Jesus appears and goes, it is I. Do not be afraid. It's a ghost. And Peter is with his boys. And he's looking at them. And he's like, do you, you guys like this? This isn't in the Bible, but this is uh, something like this had to go down. You know, he's looking at the, what do you think? No? You guys think, no? Okay. They don't like it. But he was like, I, I like that. That's, that's neat. There was something inside of him. Jehovah Jireh, what does it mean? My, do you know how many times it's listed in the scripture, Jehovah Jireh? It's one of the most quoted names of God. Do you know how many times it's listed in the scriptures? One time. Do you know when it, when it was listed? As a father was getting ready to kill everything he loved in an act of obedience. That's when Jaira appeared. Do you remember? You guys awake? I don't know, you got kind of creepy quiet on me for a little bit. He's, he's the God that walks on the waves, on the seas. He's the God that comes any way he wants. He's the God that calls you out of your boat, whether you call him the enemy or not, whether you get it or not, whether you understand him or not. He's the God that comes and goes, here I am. How much do you want? And Peter looks at me and goes, Lord, if it's you, <laughs> is that faith? Is that faith? I would say it's insanely beautiful, pure faith. If it's you, and then he does this, you tell me to come. <laughs> Puts it back on Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is like, come. Come on. Come on. For no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Yes, he is 100% the Lord and the King. And we need to understand his Lordship, but at the same time, he's, he, he created you. You're made in his image. He put his heart inside of yours. If it's you, you bid me to come. Jesus is like, giddy up, come. Come. And Peter walks. And the Bible doesn't go into how. It doesn't say the, the sea got hard or the waves, you know, or his like feet got floaty. 
Why? Because it doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is that he went. And when I grew up in church as a little boy, we would like color and stuff and you'd have like the felt boards and they would act out the story. And the moral of the story was this. Silly Peter, don't take your eyes off Jesus. If you take your eyes off Jesus, you sink. Sweet girl, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. You're not gonna sink, sweetie. Come here. Come here. You're not, come here. The two of you. You're not gonna sink. What's your name? What's your name? Julia, Julia I want you to just stay right there. Close your eyes. Julia, I saw the Lord putting fresh paint on your walls. And I felt like there was a move around you. I felt like there was a move around you, girl. Sweetie, I saw, I saw you just sacrificing everything for obedience. And I felt like it almost cost you your life. And I saw you running, running for safety. And I felt like as you were running, you cried out and you're like, God of Elijah, I need you now. And he didn't fall with fire, but he fell in your heart. And I felt like this, these last six months, there's been such a healing on your heart. Come Holy Spirit, fill her up God, overflowing, overflowing. There's just been such a healing. I break every lie that says you're crazy. Seriously. I break every lie that says you're crazy. There's a teaching gift on your life. There's like a teacher's. I see the Lord giving you all these little ones around you. I felt like there was even favor for ones with special like needs around you. And I saw you taking care of the ones that, that would never understand his love in their mind, but they get it in their hearts. It's how Romans 5. Thank you, Lord. I saw you pulling, pulling women out of prostitution. And I saw you feeding them and clothing them. Restoration. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. I give you praise. Come, Holy Spirit. I give you praise. I give you praise. Come, Holy Spirit. I give you praise. I give you praise. King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Lord. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. What's your name? Aaron? Close your eyes, sweetie. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands to the king. Father, I thank you for Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, the last verse in the Old Testament, and I'm paraphrasing it, and it says this, and in the last days I will send the prophet Elijah and he will turn the hearts of fathers to sons, sons to fathers or else I'll strike the land with a curse. And he ends the Old Testament with that. 
I felt like this is a season of restoration of family on your life. I felt like I felt like the Lord is going to restore heartbeats in sync. And I felt like it needed to happen because of a great jump you were about to take. Sudi, I saw you flying all, all around, but specifically I saw you going overseas. And I felt like, I felt like the Lord was going to use you in like legal and government to bring justice for those who don't have a voice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I ask you to open up Asia over this one. Thank you, Lord. King of Kings. I felt like wherever you go, it's going to be marked with languages. And I saw you just even like teaching language as well. And I felt like the Lord says, watch as favor opens up in other nations. I felt like you wanted to give yourself to missions, but it didn't go the way you planned. But I heard the Lord say, he's going to bring you in through a different door. And I break every lie that says the training that you went through was a failure. Because I felt like you faced impossibilities. You faced even persecution at times. And I feel like the Lord says, a girl, where many fall away, you stood. So Father, I ask God, I ask Holy Spirit that all residue would lift off from the past and that you would restore vision for the original call to lay your life down. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Silly Peter, took your eyes off Jesus. That's probably the worst message you can get from that. I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. We need to know that. But Peter didn't need to do all that to learn that. Why is that the moral of the story for most people? Christians love pointing at ones that take great risk in faith and miss it because it justifies their fear. Fear is faith in Satan. Fear elevates the lie. You cannot, you should not, you will not. And the reason why most believers love that story is because they get to go. I wouldn't do that. And I, I would say you, most of us would probably 
not even ask the Lord if we could go. But tonight, I feel like he wants to remind you of what you told him. It's easy to look at Peter and ignore the 11 cowards. Do you know where the safest place in the globe was? It was waist deep in the middle of a storm with Peter's hand in Jesus' hand. Safest place in the globe. Safest place. It wasn't on the boat with men that were just celebrating their calling. I feel like tonight the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of the risk that you said yes to. Not just for a movement, but for his plans over your life. Not just for a moment or a service. But you, each and every one of you, created in his image for a plan, for a purpose, for a destiny. I felt like the Lord wants to remind you of his goodness. He wants to remind you of everything you said to him. Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Here I am, Lord. Take my life. I believe one of the highest callings in the world is being a mother. I do with everything inside of me. So I break off all shame that says you missed it because you did A, B, and C. No, 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 no. That's not what this is at all. One of the highest callings in the globe is being a mother and a father. But heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, freely receive, now freely give. This is not about, oh, I missed it. No, no. I would rather you take risk and miss it than stand in a boat while you watch other people take risk. There's a reason why in the entirety of the scriptures, Peter's restoration took place in a moment. There's, come on, stay with me. There's a reason why when Peter fell and he committed the unthinkable, he did, he denied him, that Jesus appears on the, on the, on the beach. And he cries out, friends, you caught anything? They're like, no. And he calls Peter the exact same way he called him originally. There's a reason why Peter's restoration was with one question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That was it. One of the fastest restorations in the entirety of scripture. So even if you miss it, even if you've gone off like, Jesus is standing here going, do you love me? Come on, like, feed my sheep. I don't know how God is going to pour out here. And I don't care as long as he pours out. And I know this, I know this. Most people never get it right. In 23 years of watching revival fall around the globe, nobody has ever really gotten it right. 
you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, who the world cannot understand. Are you trying to make everybody understand this? Why? It either sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives inside of you. I see a chosen church. I see, I see a church that 10 years ago, some chubby kid in a conference gave a word and all of you were there in that moment. Stay with me. I'm not being weird. When I gave him that word and I don't even fully remember it, God was thinking of each and every one of you. He was. He, he was. You got to catch this one. When, when I gave... When I gave your leaders that word in humility, he had each and every one of you in his mind and in his heart, every plan, every purpose, knowing when you would come, when you would go, knowing what you would do, like he had you in that moment. He had you in his heart. And that word was not a lie. He's not a God that lies. In Florida, this church, this, this region, 10 years ago, God was speaking about it. And he looked for people. Come on, stay with me. He looked for people that were willing to take a risk and risk it all. And very quickly, stay with me, very quickly it moves into systems. You owe me this, I owe you that. It should be this, it should be that. Come on, very quickly, very quickly, we take the beauty of what he rolls out by his grace and we put safety nets around it and we stand on a boat go we're called we're sent that guy took a risk he missed it oh it's not perfect there's storms there's chaos I don't know if that's Jesus or not it's a goat he's never come that way before maybe it's not him and we miss, we miss the thing that he's doing. He didn't put them in a boat to go ahead of them. He put them in a boat to see how they would respond when he called them into something that they had never seen. He put them in a boat to see what was, what was inside of you. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I don't say this lightly. God didn't give me a word. And I, and I, I was just minutes. I, I don't even like to say this. Because I didn't have to walk it out. I'm just the donkey for a moment, a fraction of a second that, that he rode into town on. But he didn't do that without each and every one of you in mind. And he didn't do that to play church as normal. He didn't do that just to do another thing with a bunch of people that tell him how it should be. Tell him whether he can walk on water or not. No, no, no. 10 years ago, he had this moment in mind and all of the moments that, 
that you've had here. He knew about it. He knew about each and every one of you in this church. He knew about your families passing away. He knew about COVID. He knew about the political stuff. He wasn't worried about any of it. He knew He knew that, that my wife would get cancer for the second time and I would fall on my face crying out with my kids. And he knew that in that moment, my kids would give their lives to the Lord in a way that I've been praying for for years. He knew every little bit. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? See, there's a beauty of being a part of Jesus calling you out because you know it's him. You know it's him. Why? Because you didn't do it in your own strength. Can you take your eyes off in the middle? Yes. But he's there. And some of you, in the middle of this promise, this 10-year promise, some of you might have taken your eyes off. Stay with me. Just stay standing. (laughs) He's not the God that goes, I'm done with you or you missed it. No, 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 no. He stands on shore and goes, hey, Peter, you caught anything? How's it working? Oh, you're back in your boat? You went back to work? You went back to what's normal? Hmm. See, because like a couple years ago, you said... I'll follow you anywhere. And then in shame, you went on your boat of shame. And then you just started work again. No, 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 buddy. There's more for you. Hey, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? He didn't even bring up that he denied him. He's just like, do you love me? Yeah. Come on and feed my sheep. You're the rock. I'm going to build the church on See, in the middle of all of it, in the middle of the promise, in the middle of obedience, we can miss it. And he's there, and he's there, and he calls us deeper again. He calls you deeper again. Is there anybody hungry in here tonight? I believe the Holy Spirit. I see him, I see him moving around this room. I don't even need an altar call. Like I see, I'm seeing some of you shake and weep under the power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, I ask that you would restore anyone that's lost vision, Lord, that you would bring peace in the midst of any chaos in their lives, Lord. And would you fix our eyes on you, not on the chaos, God? Would you? Would you bring us back to the one who stands there, our hand reached out, don't take your eyes off me, bud. Come on. You got this. You walked this far. Don't take your eyes off me. Come on. He just pulls you up. (laughs) Silly Peter. When are you going to get it? I just see the Lord saying, don't take your eyes off me. Don't get caught up in everything. Can you see that I'm moving in the nations? Can you, can you see that I'm moving? And he has not forgotten you. No, no, no. No, the seed that was planted 10 years ago, the seed that you guys fought for to get in this building, the, 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 the anointing of God, the outpouring of the Spirit, it's not for nothing. No, no, no. It's not just to do normalcy. Come on. It's because there's a promise on each and every one of you. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to remind us tonight 
If you're hungry, actually, if the Holy Spirit is touching you right now in a way you're shaking, you're weeping, you're crying, something's happening, you're feeling fire on you. I want you to get out of your seat very quickly, only if he's touching you this way, and just come on up here very quickly. Come on, don't just come on up because you want something, but honestly, honestly, I'm, being, I'm asking you to be really real in your heart of hearts. Don't worry, if you're standing, stay, stay there. Is there anybody in this church right now that's just hungry? Like you're sitting there, you're like, nothing crazy's going on, but I'm hungry. I'm just hungry. I just want more. I don't know what it is, but I just want more. This is a very strange altar call for me. I, I want you to know that. I'm, I'm not this guy, but I felt like the Lord has a word for you here tonight. If you're hungry, I want you to just stand on your feet at your chair. Can I get some of the worship team up here? Come, Holy Spirit. Uh, Dylan, Andrew, Aaron, can you guys come on up here with me? Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for more. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for more. Come, Holy Spirit. John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out in a loud voice, all who are thirsty. Is there anybody thirsty here tonight? Let him come and drink. Let him come and drink. And as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow from within you. Wow, wow. Come, Holy Spirit. Amazing grace, I feel your presence. Amazing grace, I feel your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet, Lord, I ask for a release of your anointing, God. I ask for a release of your fire, God. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Father, I ask that you pour out miracles, signs, and wonders tonight, Lord. I ask for healing to move across this place. Listen, the, the, Lord, the Lord can just heal you right now as he's, as he's moving. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you just wait until you go hard? Yeah, just, just, just stay with me. more, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. The Bible says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will open unto you. I want you just with your own voice, just begin to ask him, say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I feel like some of you guys are just doing business with the Lord. And, and I don't want to just go into a moment of, of rah-rah or whatever. Like, I, I can do that. I've done enough meetings. I, I just left a meeting of 7,000 people in a stadium. Like, I can do that. We can do that. But the Lord wants to do business with you. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is just reminding you of some things. Like, even from this past season, just let it go. Just people you need to forgive. Like, just, just even as Jesus just forgave Peter, like, do you love me? Yep, I love you. Like, it was that simple. I feel like even now, some of you guys are just being set free from from just some weird mindsets that have settled in and he's just saying, do you want all of me? Do you want all of me? And the only response is yes, like yes, Lord. And I feel like sometimes we just complicate it and the Holy Spirit, just, just like how he set me free in a moment, like he's just gonna set you free. 
Come, Holy Spirit. I, I break all depression now in the name of Jesus. I break all suicidal thoughts in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Now, in the name of Jesus. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. All PTSD uh, off of any soldiers right now. In the name of Jesus. I break it now in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. More, more. Come, Holy Spirit, more. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Father. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. Amazing grace. I feel your presence. Wow. Whoa, whoa. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for more. I give you praise. I give you praise.